You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. In cooperation with the American Medical Association Foundation and in association with the Pfizer Medical Humanities Initiative, ReachMD is proud to bring you the following interview with Dr. Murli Manohar, recipient of the Pride in the Profession Award from the 2008 AMA Foundation Excellence in Medicine Awards, held March 31st in Washington, D.C. Your host for the interview is Dr. Mark Kina. Dr. Manahar, congratulations on your award and thanks for speaking with ReachMD. Thank you. Dr. Manahar, your work as a physician has certainly expanded beyond your office. You've helped pass state medical legislation, taught, and worked towards bringing health insurance to the uninsured. Can we look back a moment and have you take us to your inspiration to a medical career? Actually, I started as a veterinarian, and after practicing a few years, I decided that's not what I really want to do. And I decided, well, if I want to help the community and society, I ought to go to medical school. So at the age of 37, I started in the medical school in Canada and graduated when I was 41. So I'm really a Canadian medical graduate. And I've been always interested in the health of poor people because I came from a poor country and a poor family. So I know what poverty can do to your health and family. So I have been practicing now since 1980, and MD was my last education. And what did you pursue after medical school? I did medical education in Canada. I did my postgraduate education in Youngstown, Ohio, and Michigan, and Minnesota. Take us to the formation of the Canton Community Clinic and the motivations behind what you've accomplished for the uninsured and in malpractice protection. After all my training was done, I decided to open the practice in Canton, Ohio, because being in Youngstown, Ohio, there was an article in Wall Street Journal that between Canton and Maslin, there's a township called Jackson Township, Ohio. And in 1979, that was the fastest growing township in the country. So I figured, well, I'm only 65 miles away from it. I ought to go to Canton, Ohio, and open the office. And so I leased the building and started practicing in 1980. And after four years, I got so busy with the politics and all others, so I had to buy a building, which I own now where I practice medicine. So actually, I started practicing in 1980. The Canton Community Clinic history is very long. Before the last mayor in 1992, they've been talking about something for poor people in the east side of Canton for 25 years. And the mayors before that and all others just used, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, which politicians always do. And when they get reelected, they do nothing. This mayor happened to be a patient of mine, Richard Watkins. When he became mayor in 92, the first thing he did is to call me. He said, I need your help because you are a trained person, not that you're my doctor. You're a committed man for poor people's health, and I want you to chair a committee and open a clinic for poor people. I said, Mayor, I'm more than glad to do it. So I took together a few people, some Democrats, some Republicans, some businessmen, some labor, some religious people, some poor people, and made a committee of nine people. And six months, we put a framework together. And then the bureaucracy takes time. So it took us two years till 94 September to get all the paperwork and 5013C and all those things that you don't learn in medical school. 
you learn when you go to these people and they tell you what legal thing you need to do or not to do. So Canton Community Clinic, we opened in 94, and I was the first chairman of the board and co-founder with the mayor, and now the clinic is running full-fledged. Then the mayor of Youngstown, Ohio, found out, and uh, he called me, and I joked with him. I said, listen, you're a Democrat. I don't know whether I want to help you or not, because I'm a Republican. He laughed, and I said, bring your people. I'm more than glad to help you out. They brought a delegation to us. We sold them the clinic. We had a framework done. We made copies of it. We gave it a lot of towns how to open the free clinic. And a year and a half later, the Youngstown opened the free clinic, and uh, we got involved deeper. And then we realized we can't find volunteer physicians and volunteer nurses. Well, Illinois has just passed a law that if you provide free care as a volunteer, as a physician or a nurse, you cannot be sued for malpractice. So I wrote a letter to somebody in Illinois and said, would you please send a copy of your law? And they did. Same time, South Carolina passed a law, Governor Campbell, who was a Republican. And we got a copy there. And we put two together. And before that, there were six states in the country had a laws on the books that if you are a physician or health care provider and you give free care in free clinics, you will not be sued for malpractice. Well, I took those two bills, put together for Ohio, went to Columbus, talked to the Senate and the House, and we failed because Senate was controlled by the Republicans and the House was controlled by Democrats. So two years gone by, we decided, well, we got to find leaders in each party and see if they can help us out. Make a long story short, it took me eight years in Ohio. Finally, in April of 2000, we were successful in Ohio to make a law that if you're a retired or part-time working physician and you work free in free clinics, you have immunity from our practice. That gave us a lot of physicians and nurses in Ohio and other clinics. So it's a long process, and I remember talking to the committee testifying for the bill, and there were some lawyers especially, and they were saying, why do we have a two-tier health system? Because it's a free health care, you guys are not going to take care of patients, correct? And we said, listen, right now we have three-tier system, a good system, ordinary system, and no system. People have no care. So let's move those who have no care to some care, two-tier system, till we figure out what to do. And somehow we succeeded, and finally... The senator, the health committee, they all said, hey, they're not making any money. They're giving free care. And the thing that really helped me to give a film that was produced by ABC, and I asked their permission to use that film to the committee in Hilton Head, South Carolina, where a pediatrician playing golf realized that half part of the Hilton Head is for rich people. The other half is so poor that they have no health care. So he used that approach to open a free clinic. And that was on ABC News, and with their permission, we played to the committee. And we said, listen, taxpayers pay millions of dollars to train doctors and nurses. And when they retired, they're useless. They're sitting at home watching TV. Why can't we just use them to come down, 
keep them busy. They're worried about malpractice. We take care of that part. We have free professional care for our citizens. You know, we give helping hand around the world, but we can't take our own poor people. Finally, we succeeded. And then we worked on a couple more states I helped them. Two years ago, Senator Santorin was a senator from Pennsylvania. And we wanted 17 or 18 states still left that they don't have this law. And I wanted to make a national law in the Congress where all the 50 states are covered. Because after all, the physicians in all 50 states are paid by their taxpayers. Well, he lost the election. And so this is my next project that I'm going to grab some senators and congressmen in Washington to see if we can make a national law for 50 states so we can take care of poor people, uninsured people, because you don't know how poverty hurts and the health that we take care of around the globe, but we don't take care of people right here at home. And that is no excuse for that. It's an odd dichotomy to be rewarded for volunteering. In this case, how does it feel to be recognized with the 2008 Pride in the Profession Award for your selfless work? Well, you know, usually you volunteer because you believe in. Number two, I didn't even know what they have before I got a phone call from Chicago. said, do you know somebody nominated for this award? And I said, what is this award? I didn't even know anything about an award. But then they sent me all the details and... You do things because you believe in it. Now, two years ago, in 2006, the American College of Physicians is a national organization for internists. Well, they gave me a national award for federal advocacy for the same thing that I do that. And I got this letter. It's called Key Contact of the Year Award. I don't know what the heck that thing is because I didn't really keep track of awards and all that. I just keep going, do my work my free time, my own money, my own thinking. So nobody can blame me and say, hey, I represent this organization in testifying this way, testifying that way. When I go there, I tell them I'm so-and-so. Three examining rooms I had in my office. I changed one examining room, and we call a Center for Healthcare Policies and Planning. It's the same building, same person. I'm the volunteer director. Nobody pays me salary. The profit that I have from my practice I use that money to pay my travel, pay all my activities, and I speak as a director for healthcare center for policies and planning. Well, what the heck is it? It's me. It's just me. And so I appreciate the American Medical Association Foundation to give me an award. I'm grateful. I'm deeply honored. At least they recognize somebody's doing something. But when you volunteer, you don't even think about what awards are. You want to do it because your duty as a physician. It's a duty as a community man. About 2005, the Greater Canton Chamber of Commerce honored me for community service. I don't belong to Chamber of Commerce. I don't even know what they do as businessmen people, which is, this is all I knew about it. And I got a letter from them, and fine, thank you, I appreciate that. You thank these people that somebody's watching what you're doing. And I really appreciate them watching what I have done. And I think you're honored by a reputable organization like AMA Foundation. It means a lot to you in one way that at least your efforts, somebody is watching you. Somebody is noticing it. And same thing happened two years ago by the Men College of Physicians. I don't know what a key contact of the year award meant, you know, but you keep doing because you believe in it. 
You do because you're a physician. You're supposed to do. You're supposed to speak for your patients. Now, physicians have a lobby. Hospitals have a lobby. Insurance companies have a lobby. Pharmaceutical companies have a lobby. Lawyers have a lobby. Who lobbies for patients who are poor, uninsured? Nobody. And that's our duty to do that. And that's why I do it. And I'll keep doing it as the Lord wants me to do it. Because that's a responsibility that comes with you, having a word MD after you. Dr. Manahart, your willingness to act on the need you saw in your community is an inspiration to those in your profession. Good luck as you move forth, and thank you for speaking with ReachMD. You have been listening to a special interview from the 2008 AMA Foundation Excellence in Medicine Awards on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to or download this program, please visit ReachMD.com and register with the promotion code AMAF.